The Shooters Podcast has reloaded and is back on the air. Sharing shooting information, facts, and opinions of the shooting sports, the shooting industry, and shooting news. I'm your host. My name is Rick. Welcome to the Shooters Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Shooters Podcast. Once again, in the wake of a mass shooting, government officials, in this case, President Biden, is calling for knee-jerk gun control. He said, and I'm quoting out of the media, Kansas City shooting should shock us into passing gun control. Well, I don't agree that it should shock us into taking the rights away from law-abiding citizens who have done nothing wrong. And I'm sure everybody's heard of this shooting in Kansas City. It was in the vicinity of where the victory parade for the Kansas City Chiefs ended. And then in that same park where it ended, a couple of uh, juveniles opened fire on each other or someone and ended up killing a woman and injuring, well, 22 people so far. I've heard as low as 12. I've heard as high as 30 um, because everybody who was injured was, they were transported to multiple hospitals in, um, Kansas City. So it, things were very fluid, um, initially for the first day or so. Originally, they said they had three people in custody, possibly juveniles. Now it's kind of filtered down to, they have two juveniles in custody and they're going to be charged with murder. Everything was very secretive initially, but you say the word secretive or they're protecting the integrity of the investigation. They don't want to say that they're looking for X number of people because then the other people who may have been involved would be more in the wind. And none of the news outlets that I have researched so far have been able to mention what type of firearms were used. And in the shooting, my first thought would be handguns because they are easy to conceal. The fact that they're juveniles doesn't matter what kind of firearms they were. They're not supposed to have anything outside the control of their parents. So we'll say that they are at the very least irresponsible criminals. One politician's calling for a ban on ARs. Of course, they said assault weapons was the scourge of society. So typically any time a politician has a chance to jump up and down and scream about a particular cause, they'll take the uh, the press when they can get it. They want to be able to pass feel-good legislation, even if it makes absolutely no difference. All it does is restrict the rights of law-abiding citizens, but they can hold it up when it comes time to be elected, re-elected and say, hey, look what I did. Everybody should feel good about this. One thing I can guarantee is there was not one single illegal action taken during this shooting that was not already illegal. It's illegal to shoot at people. It's illegal for juveniles to possess guns out in public without supervision. And anytime there's a crime, whatever law they want to pass more of, it's already illegal. California is very famous for passing laws that outlaw things that are already outlawed. 
one short clip mentioned that a couple dozen people were trampled by the crowds as they fled the area where the shots were being fired. I don't hold people, you know, uh, to the rule of just stand there and let them shoot at you. However, if you're in a crowd and you start running, don't trample the children. I'm guessing that a number of the children who were injured in this, which they claim to be around 10 or 12, were probably more likely injured by being trampled by the crowd. And because people were um, spread out to different hospitals, it was hard to get any coherent information about numbers. In one case, they said that 29 people were wounded by gunfire. Then later, there only four people were wounded, but probably just four people at that particular hospital. There were two more that were critical, but not by gunfire, and I'm guessing those were more that were trampled by the crowd. Anytime someone shoots off a gun in a very crowded um, area or event, I mean, there's a very good possibility more than one person's going to be injured by that bullet. So in this case... There were, you know, thousands of people right there in close proximity. I saw the first videos today of how everybody scattered when the shots started uh, ringing out. And when someone in any situation, like a domestic violence situation or a robbery, when they choose to shoot somebody in a very public place, it's natural that people will start running away. If you trip over a bench or something and cut your leg, common sense would say you were not wounded by gunfire. However, the media, urged on by a few other anti-gun groups, likes to think that anybody who was injured in any capacity during an event where a gun was fired, um, that they were basically wounded by the gunfire because they were fleeing the gunfire. That's the type of sensationalizing and strategizing that people do when they have a specific agenda. I've noticed now during these past couple days, the media has been talking about the stressful feelings that people feel when they're out in public because of all the mass shootings. Had this uh, shooting involved a um, media's definition of an assault weapon or an evil AR-15, you know that that would have been brought out almost immediately. On a side note, I saw that someone referred to the weapon used during the um, church in Texas, that shooting last week, that the woman had brought an evil AR-15 to shoot at people in the church. In any event, when gang members and criminals are shooting at each other and they're hitting innocent bystanders in a crowd, it doesn't fit the definition of a mass shooting by the FBI standards. And that's not to try and minimize the um, tragedy of this event because people did shoot off guns and shoot at each other and they killed somebody in a crowd of thousands. And... Had the criminals been locked up, where they probably have already done things that they should have been locked up for? Yes, that's a dig on the current status of the justice system. Um, then none of those people would have been injured at all. 
You've got websites like the Gun Violence Archive that I affectionately call the Gang Violence Archive because 80% of the mass shootings that they uh, put on their little list in their archive are all gang crimes. They're drive-by shootings, and they don't meet anything close to a definition of a mass shooting by anybody's standards except their own. I did go back and research through the gang violence archive of every shooting that's occurred so far in February, and we're only at the 19th now, and not a single one of the events in the month of February, which there were about 22 or 23 of them, not a single one met the FBI's um, definition of a mass shooting. And because an important point is that the FBI does not count domestic violence situations, and they do not count drive-by shootings and gang-related crimes where they're shooting at uh, other gang members. They only specifically um, rack up statistics when a person goes to a public place and randomly targets individuals in an attempt to just kill a lot of people. But in almost every single instance in these uh, lists of mass shootings, they are targeted to a specific individual or a group, and some people get hurt and or killed. It's not somebody grabbing a bag of magazines and a uh, semi-automatic rifle and going into a shopping mall just to rack up a horrible body count. No, none of them meet the definition of a mass shooting. However, they're able to get headlines and they get lots of mentions in the media because they claim that all they put a little asterisk next to their uh, statistics and it says everything's verified well on my next podcast i'm going to dissect some of that because i've read every single article on the uh, archives that shows what actually occurred one of the players from the kansas city chiefs was uh, quoted after this event is saying that how many people have to die before we say enough is enough it's too easy for the wrong people to obtain guns in america and that's a fact i can agree that it is easy for the wrong people to get guns in america because the wrong people get them illegally and when things are illegal and there's money to be made there are people who will step up and supply them and break every law that was ever written. And most of it is, um, n let's just call it nonsense gun laws. Common sense gun laws, basically those are the three rules of gun safety. Outside of that, it's nonsense because criminals do not follow the law. I know, as shocking as that sounds. But there is another fact that there are thousands of gun laws on the books in America. There's a serious deficiency in prosecuting gun crimes. A few years ago, in a given calendar year, over 70,000 people were denied firearm purchases because of background checks, because they were prohibited 
Now I know that a percentage of those, as much as 20%, were errors in the system, whether a person had moved and had a different address and got kicked back because of a typo. Those aren't the ones I'm talking about. I'm talking about a prohibited person who actually tried to purchase a gun, a specific gun from a firearms dealer, and was rejected. 70,000 prohibited. And out of all of those tens of thousands who were genuinely and rightfully rejected and prohibited, less than 80, that's eight zero people, were prosecuted for trying to get their hands on a gun when they were prohibited. Now, I see that as a flagrant disregard for the law on the part of law enforcement. And this goes to show you that even with the almighty background checks, there's no serious effort into dishing out any consequences to people who illegally obtain guns or try to obtain guns illegally through a dealer. And then I'll throw in the uh, personal opinion that every law-abiding citizen should be able to walk into a gun store and show a valid ID. They run them through an instant background check. And it should be approved right there, and they should be able to take that gun home right there on the spot. They've already been proven to be a law-abiding citizen. That would be a common-sense gun procedure. You take $1,000 into a crime-ridden neighborhood, mention to any shady individual that you're looking to buy a gun, and there's no waiting period, there's no background check. Someone will come out and sell you a gun. And that entire process is already illegal. And it's against the law. I remember running criminal history reports on people when I was a police officer. They were in custody for a violent crime and you want to make sure that they weren't um, already prohibited from having guns or something. You run a criminal history to see what types of crimes they've been convicted of in the past. So they can be charged appropriately like you know, a felon with a gun and those kind of things. Because, like I say, they're already in custody for a violent crime. Part of that check is to also document the fact of whether or not that person is eligible for a strike. And a strike in a three strikes you're out type situation. California has a three strikes rule. Which means if you've done two violent crimes, rape, robbery, murder, attempted murder, um, these types of things, that your third crime, you could be sentenced up to 25 years to life in prison. And that means 25 years without parole. So you'd have to do 25 years if you got convicted. And when someone is convicted, it's placed on their criminal history that says, in little parentheses, potential strike. Meaning the person had a prior for an armed robbery with a gun, and that's a potential strike. That also lets the district attorney know this person's eligible for the street three strikes law. So look into these cases, put them together properly, and dispense the justice that legislation uh, required. Having worked in law enforcement for a few decades in California, I can tell you that the three strikes law doesn't mean very much. 
I ran dozens of people over the years where right there on the official Department of Justice criminal history report, I counted up in several dozen cases people who had 15, 20, or 25, quote, potential strikes, end quote, on their criminal history. That means that they had been convicted. That means tried and convicted 15, 20, or 25 times for violent crimes already. And they were still walking the street. And I know I mentioned it before that, you know, many criminals, gang members and such, who've been involved in criminal activity. There are a lot of criminals who are not on probation, but many, many of them are. They're on probation, which means they agreed to stay out of trouble in lieu of going to jail. And in doing so, they said that you can come by and search my house, my car, my person. You can search anything you want. Just let me be out free, out and about. And at any time of the day, okay, reasonable time of the day or night, a probation officer, a police officer can show up to their house and search the house. They can, when they're stopped out on the street, they can search their pants pockets and everything, and they can search their car. Okay, they're searchable. And if any drugs or weapons are found... They can be arrested on the spot for violating their probation or their parole. And they can be taken to jail. This means that any jurisdiction out there has the ability to search their criminals anytime, anywhere. And criminals are stupid. That's why they're convicted criminals. They'll screw up. They'll have drugs in their pocket or a knife in their pocket or a gun in their car or something. And then they can go to jail if the district attorney would send them to jail. So they have the tools to clean up a lot of the issues going on out there. And part of the problem, all these things keep going on literally for decades, is because the same politicians keep getting reelected for decades. People never think it's that their politician is the problem, so they never get voted out of office, when in fact the majority of them are all involved for the stalemate or the silly legislation that gets passed that's completely unconstitutional. Or just plain stupid. And California is always famous for passing laws that outlaw things that are already outlawed. And that's just legislative malpractice. That just says that they're idiots who can't read existing law and thinks that passing laws is more important than passing quality laws to make people safer from violent criminals out there. Well, I'm going to wrap this one up. However, I did notice, and it's been mentioned in a couple other places, that a lot of media outlets are kind of talking about the stress that people feel about these types of incidents when they occur, how it affects everybody everywhere, or a good portion of the people in most uh, areas of the country. And that makes me think that somebody out there is mainly because they're feeding it to so many news out outlets out there that somebody's going to come up and say, oh, this is a public health crisis because it affects people everywhere because everybody gets stressed out about these, these shootings. So they think they can pass some weird law with the, just like Arizona tried to 
public health emergency, I'm banning all guns for a month or something stupid like that. So I have a feeling that on the uh, national stage, something's coming that, I mean, of course, it would probably be unconstitutional and it would be stupid, but they'll probably try and pass the law so they can blame each other about who's not allowing it to be enforced or going forward. Um, so just something to think about as you read about just the uh, goings-on out there. Take care, be safe, and talk to you again soon. That's it for this episode. Thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing to the Shooters Podcast. Please visit my website at shooterspodcast.com and read and share my shooting blog.